This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Blackout. This is a pick'em pod right here with you on BellyUpSports.com. Alan Denton and Thomas Black here with you. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to to look forward to this weekend of football, and uh, well, you know, let's get going, dude. Absolutely, let's jump right into it. If you've had the chance already, you've been able to listen to our pick'em rewind, taking you back through last week's action. We'll be doing that every single week, and we'll have two episode episodes for you weekly, looking at the pick'em contest right here with the blackout. So, Alan, let's jump into the news and notes that we saw. Heading back from this past weekend, even looking at the weekend ahead, one of the big things to take away is Texas A&M lost wide receiver Caleb Chapman to a torn ACL. If you watch some of the Texas A&M game, he is the one who caught the game-tying touchdown pass against Florida this past weekend. And if you saw him go down and you saw him get back up, He wasn't looking right. Turns out, according to his mom sending out some stuff on social media, sounds like he's got a torn ACL, and the school has confirmed that he's going to be out for the remainder of the year. That's kind of a big deal for them because he's been a good receiver this year. He was was the difference maker in that game, right? I mean, he was was totally dominant um, against those Florida DBs. So, I mean, it's a a real shame in in an offense where I I don't know how many weapons that they have other than – um, their big tight end. Yeah, they have a couple of receivers that have done a good job, kind of similar. They've kind of spread the ball around, uh, but Caleb Chapman looked like he had the ability to be a difference maker. Even that catch going up over the floor to defender to come down with that ball was pretty impressive. So that is, that's definitely a big loss for them. I mean, they've had some opt-outs and uh, they've had some injuries to deal with and losing Caleb Chapman's definitely not an optimistic thing for the Aggies going forward. Alan, let's jump into another one. We mentioned this one on the chat board inside the Pick'em group, uh, but we have not mentioned it on air, so we're going to go ahead and throw it out there. Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt missed this past week against Arkansas. He has torn ligaments in his thumb and had to have surgery last week. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be gone, but the school has said it's an indefinite uh, loss for them. So uh, we'll get more news on that as we go on, and you'll have to stay tuned to that. Uh, but that's a big deal for Auburn as well because he's a star linebacker. Exactly. I mean, he, he is – I think – a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about him as being the most physical linebacker in the SEC. And I don't know if that's true or not, but he, he is a really, really important piece of Kevin Stills' defense. And a defense that has seemed vulnerable 
over the past two weeks, even against an Arkansas team that is, you know, I think is sufficient, way, way better than Chad Morris's offense from last year, who's now the offensive coordinator at, at Auburn and, and now offensively, they kind of stink. Um, so, you know, just read the tea leaves there, but <laughs> I, I think that, I think that's a, a really big loss for them. Um, in the middle of their defense I think it is too he's a he's one of those guys that is a true run stopper kind of an old school linebacker Uh, he can really plug up the holes in an offensive line that an offensive line tries to open up and he can really thump some dudes in the backfield really create some big time plays for that defense so however long he's out that's a big deal I don't know if he's going to come back sometime with you know that kind of club situation on a hand where they just wrap it so thick that he can't do anything and they just immobilize his hand or I don't know if it's a little bit more serious than that where they're going to be a little bit more cautious with him before they try to bring him back. So that'll definitely be something to watch for that Auburn defense as we move deeper into the season. Alan, another one, you kind of alluded to this in our Pick'em Rewind episode earlier. We have LSU at Florida. Originally, it was in the Pick'em group this week. That game has been postponed. That's because of an outbreak of COVID-19 with the Florida Gators. Originally, they said they had five positive tests. I think it was about 24 hours later, they said, nope, that's up to 19 plus a couple staff members. And a lot of those were said to be uh, scholarship players, and I think a number of them starters too. So definitely a big outbreak there. And uh, one of the things that's going to slow down uh, you know, a perfect season in, you know, in terms of being able to get games in. Obviously, Florida's not perfect, uh, but uh, definitely a loss there and something that was in the Pick'em contest. We had some people pick that game before it got knocked out, so we'll have to make some corrections there and making sure people's point values are in the right spot. Uh, but, Alan, that is a fun game, certainly, that would have been interesting to look at had it been played this weekend. Yeah, I think it would have been another shootout, right? I, I think that it would have would have been seeing another 30 point kind of game for each team. Um, so that's, that's a shame, but you know, hopefully they can get that situation under control in Florida. And, and we, we've seen with the Tennessee Titans that something like this can, can linger over the course of a week, week and a half. And, um, you know, the, the SEC only built in one week to, to move those games to on December 12th. So, That's going to be pretty important. We talked about that uh, in the preseason. You and I talked about, hey, how do you do this? Of course, every team has a bye week in the middle of the season as well, but they're not all in the same week. So like you're alluding to, this game's going to be made up at the end of the season on December 12th, uh, but Florida could be dealing with this for a while. A lot of guys with positive COVID-19, you're looking at that and what we've seen at Virginia Tech, at Houston, Uh, The Baylor game's impacted. There have been a bunch of them, uh, but you have to think about a lot of these guys who tested positive are going to be out for 10-plus days, and then the contact tracing. I don't think it hit as many people at Florida, but there's probably a handful of guys at the very least who will miss a couple of weeks as well. So that's not just this game you're impacting. Probably a lot of these guys are going to be missing next week's game as well. Exactly, and when you've already got a loss, that's that's a pretty big deal when you're looking to compete for an SEC East Championship, right? You can't afford to to stack losses on top of one another, seeing with how good Georgia has been. 
Absolutely. Alan, earlier today, we record on Wednesdays. Earlier today, we had Alabama head coach Nick Saban also test positive for COVID-19. So earlier today, he was alerted of a positive test. He left the team facility immediately. He went home. He went to isolation. So we have a dramatic change ahead of a big time game in a top five matchup between Georgia and Alabama this weekend. What are your thoughts on Saban getting tested positive for COVID-19? Golly, I, I think that's a really big deal, right? I mean, that's that's their leader. Um, I think it would be an even bigger deal if this game were at Georgia. But at this point, I think that Saban's going to send R2-D2 with a hologram of himself, dog cussing on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if you've seen Arrested Development, but George Bluth sends a surrogate with a camera that tells it. That oh, he, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think that's what he's going to do. I, I think he's going to find a way to maybe do a loophole or something where he can talk on a Bluetooth to somebody there at the game. <laughs> yes, that would be great. And speaking of Arrested Development, Kristen and I have watched through it one time before, at least the first three seasons of it, and uh, we're actually currently watching it right now. We just finished up the second season the other day, so uh, we're going to be moving on to season three here before too long. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't seen Arrested Development, and you love kind of offbeat comedy, it's it's top three out there, the first three seasons. <laughs> it's really good. I can attest to it as well. It's been a fun watch and a fun rewatch, certainly. Alan, as we talk about Nick Saban and his absence from this game, let's go ahead and jump into our game of the week. It's number three, Georgia, at number two, Alabama, a big-time defense against a big-time offense. What's your look at this game, and what do you think are some of the X factors and coming away with who's going to come out on top? Sure. Well, I think looking back, we've seen that Georgia's defense is legit. You called them big-time, and I totally agree. I mean, they're only allowing 12 points a game and like 38 yards rushing a game. Um, Stetson Bennett has been efficient with the ball in his hands particularly in between the hashes, right? He doesn't do well if you force him to throw with a guy in his face and if you force him to throw outside of the hashes. Sure. Uh, and, and so I think that the problem area right right now, and I would love to get your take on this, is Bama's defense has been susceptible across the middle, particularly with what we saw last week against Ole Miss. Sure, and and I think all that's true, and I think Alabama has some questions defensively, but I think you have to imagine that you know, with the diversity that they saw in the offense and what Ole Miss does under Lane Kiffin, you know, you're seeing a much more subdued offensive set against Georgia. So I think that's a little bit of an advantage with Alabama. They may have some weaknesses and maybe Georgia can take advantage of some of that stuff, but I don't think it's going to be for some offensive explosion that Georgia's going to let loose. Right. Well, I, I think that there is a similarity between Elijah Moore from Ole Miss and Kyrus Jackson sure. at Georgia. They're both really, really good in the slot. What did Elijah Moore have last week? He had 11 receptions for 143 yards. Yeah. Then uh, Yaboa, um, which is just such a fun name to say, um, he had seven for 181 and two touchdowns. Woo! And, and, and that's a lot. But here's the deal. Bennett is no Matt Corral. Right. And Todd Munkin, and particularly Kirby Smart, is no Lane Kiffin. Absolutely. Right? They're not trying to sling that tater around the yard. They're going to try to force it down Alabama's mouth because I think they're going to come trying to make a, a statement to the college football world 
after, you know, really missing opportunities over the past couple of years to beat Bama. Well, here's the thing that stands out to me as well. I think a lot of good points that you made, but you mentioned Kyrus Jackson. He's been a really big plus for Georgia. I think he's looked really good. He's been a boost for them offensively. He has 19 receptions on the year so far through three games. That's really solid. He's been good. He's been a good contributor. But here's the thing, Alan. George Pickens, their most talented wide receiver on the season, has been out, uh, has been limited to eight receptions. That's the second most on the team. So you drop from 19, then your top target, who has the best defense thrown at him every single week, you know, top defenders put on him. He's been limited to eight receptions. And so they really haven't gotten a lot going there. And I think that's a big deal headed into this game against an Alabama defense that though they may have some questions, they've got a lot of defensive talent. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they got Dylan Moses, they can get Anderson that can get to the quarterback. They've, they've got some guys that, that can make some plays. Uh, against a, a Georgia team that, you know, is not a juggernaut on offense, right? I, I think that um, that Alabama is going to be ready to play, especially after how they probably feel as an embarrassment this past week um, against giving up 48 points, I guess, to, to Ole Miss. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. So I, I think that's going to be kind of a statement match kind of who who can who can impose their will on one another yeah and one more concern that I'll throw out there at least if you're talking about Georgia pulling the upset that I'll throw out is you look at the Georgia offense and what they've been known for all the running backs that they've put through that system with Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb and all those guys there have been a ton of them right now Zamir White is the top running back for Georgia. And he's a really talented dude. I'm not taking anything away from him, but that offensive line has been reworked. They've had to be, you know, changing the offense a little bit and going with Stenson Bennett was a little bit of a surprise, but Zamir White on the season so far is just averaging 3.9 yards per carry. That's low for college football in general but when you're talking about some of these stars that have come from Georgia in recent years with the big offensive lines a lot of these guys have been averaging six plus yards of carry sometimes even upwards at around seven seven and a half so there have been some stars and they have made a lot of ground uh, running the ball but right now with Zamir White sure he's good and he's picked it up a little bit recently but they still aren't creating those big holes and they aren't having those big gash runs that really make a huge difference I think a big deal with that is Zamir still coming and working back from a knee injury. Sure. He looks really stiff. He's not making guys miss. I actually think their best two backs are their two freshmen. And they have looked much more dynamic and have a lot more pop to their game. I'll be interested to see if this week, if, if they start to feed them more carries, because they were much more impressive against Tennessee than um, than even Zamir White was. Sure. Alan, we've talked a lot about the Georgia offense against the Alabama defense. Let's flip it to the other side. And what do you think Mac Jones and this passing attack can do against a very, very talented Georgia defense? I think actually this comes down not even to Mac Jones. I think this comes down to can Alabama run the ball? And if they can, I think they'll be able to throw it enough against the Georgia D to, to get the job done. But if I and I think they're actually much more equipped and set up to run the ball than than anyone else has up to this point. You want to know why? Because they've got Najee Harris. Yeah, man. <laughs> he is a hoss. So you're not going to want to tackle him 25 times, but I think they're going to be forced to. 
And I think that'll be enough to give, um, you know, the Smith and, and Waddle and Minchie, those guys on the outside, some room to, to breathe. Because unlike this past week, Georgia actually has to account for some really dynamic guys that can beat them deep and beat them across the middle. I think that's the game changer for me. When you look at this Georgia defense and what they do, I've heard it described so many times that they're kind of like a python and they just suffocate teams or they just lock them down or they pick you know what they want to take away from an offense and they just limit them. But the thing is, is they've faced a lot of one-dimensional offenses so far. You look at Auburn, you look at Arkansas, the wins they've come away with, it's been pretty easy. Even against Tennessee, while Tennessee has a little bit more diversity offensively, they locked that run game down completely. And like we talked talked about Jarrett Garantano is not a guy that you can consistently trust throughout an entire game to lead you if he doesn't have a running game so they've been able to take things away the thing is though against this Alabama offense they're great everywhere you look so it's not a given that George is going to be able to take any one thing away so you know the passing game that's the most dangerous I think it's going to space this Georgia defense out enough and you know send the safeties a little bit deeper on the field than they like playing and I think that's going to open up some things for Najee Harris yeah, I agree. I, I think that th- they'll be able to shake loose. And that's honestly, I think that's why, as you know, and looking at the actual pick, I think that's why I, I've got Bama in a, in a tight one. But I, I do, I do have Bama, and, and, uh, and I, that's the reason why, because I think they will be able to run the ball enough because of their weapons. And Mac Jones has proven himself to be a far more than capable quarterback, but to be, maybe the best quarterback in the SEC, not named Kyle Trask. Yeah, man, I am with you. I agree. I think Alabama is much more likely to come away with a win in this one. I think it can be very, very close, but I think the offensive firepower that Alabama has is probably the difference maker in this game. And if you're talking about, hey, does either team find a way to gain control, win this game by more than a single score, you know, maybe a 10 or 14 point win, I think it's much more likely that that's Alabama in this case. Uh, than, than it would be Georgia. We've just seen you know enough limitations with the Georgia offense. I just don't have a ton of faith that they're going to be able to score a whole lot more than, I don't know, maybe they can get up to 20, 24 points in this game. Uh, but I have a hard time saying Alabama isn't going to top that. Agreed. Uh, I'm with you there. I think they've got just a little bit too much firepower. All right, Alan, we reviewed it in our previous episode, but last week you came away with a big week. You uh, finished up second place in our weekly standings with a 59-point week in the Pick'em Pod. So you take us off this week because I only ended up with 50, so you lead us away into our value picks this week. All right, so I'm, I'm telling you right now, I want you to move. Well, I don't want you to do anything because I want to win. I will profess <laughs> what I'm going to do. I'm moving Cincinnati up my board. Ooh. So, yeah, so they're playing. Uh, they're at Tulsa. Tulsa is two weeks removed from a win at UCF, who was a, a team that, you know, potentially could have slid into a, a New Year's Six Bowl or maybe even a playoff contention. Uh, but, but Cincinnati's currently around a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite at Tulsa. That would put them at you picking them at a two or three. I'm sliding them up into that six, seven range this week. And I'll tell you why. Cincinnati's defense is really good. They're unreal. They're on par with Georgia's defense in the number of points per game a week they're allowing. They're only allowing 12 points per game. 
and Tulsa's pretty good, but the last time they played a good defense was against Oklahoma State, and they only scored seven points, right? So um, Tulsa's pretty good, but they, they average less points than they've actually scored, and they, they don't really run or pass particularly well. It took UCF turning the ball over three times in their win two weeks ago to really kind of change that. So I've got Cincinnati at around a five or a six, maybe get a couple of value points there. Very interesting. I like it, Alan. One of the things that I'm really interested in this game is I want to see what kind of performance shows up from the hand and legs of Desmond Ritter, the quarterback from Cincinnati. Because I don't know how much you've watched of him. I've only seen him play a couple of times. But man, it seems like sometimes he's really in control and he really looks good. He's kind of athletic. He can get out and make some moves with his legs. When he's on in the passing game, it looks really good. But then I've seen him a couple of times when he looks way off and it looks (laughs) really, really bad. So I'm interested to see what version of Desmond Ritter shows up. Like you mentioned with Tulsa, uh, they limited an Oklahoma State offense. Granted, without Spencer Sanders at quarterback through a lot of that game. Uh, But you look at what Tulsa's done this year. uh, They've had some bright spots. They've had some good stuff going on. So I'm very intrigued by this game. And I think that a lot of it boils down to what kind of performance Desmond Ritter puts up. Agreed. Yeah. I, I mean, he's kind of the, the, the straw that, that stirs the drink. And, and if he's off, it's it, like you said, it tends to be way off, but <laughs> defense, defense travels, my man. And that's why I think they're going to lock down Tulsa's offense enough that, that it takes the pressure pressure off Ritter. And so he doesn't have to be great. He can, he can be mediocre to not even that great. Because they they run the ball a lot too, and 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 speed travels too. So I think that's going to be enough to 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 bump them up a little bit. And when you're talking about that Cincinnati defense, you're absolutely right. The Bearcats have had a really top notch defense for a couple of years now. I know it's a group of five. I know they don't play the toughest competition in the world, but they can really lock some teams up. I haven't determined where I'm going on that one, but I think it's a really fun matchup to look at. So, Alan, I'm going to take you for my value pick to the Kentucky-Tennessee matchup. Your volunteers are coming off a rough game, right? They were locked down by Georgia. And that second half, it was it was difficult to watch. They came away with, what, negative one rushing yards in the game, including sacks? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it was really ugly. Uh, but I have some things to look at in this game. Alan, I think when we look at the performance of Kentucky so far, I think the defense has not been quite as good as maybe imagined coming into the season. I think that's easy to admit. I think you look at Tennessee, and sure, they're coming off a rough performance, but they've got the most balanced offense that Kentucky has faced to date. I mean, think about Kentucky's schedule. They faced an Auburn team that was really struggling on the offensive line, couldn't really run the ball. They faced Mississippi State, who does nothing but pass the ball. They faced Ole Miss, who does nothing but pass the ball. So they've struggled some in the passing game. I don't think that's going to be as easy for Jarrett Garantano, like we've talked about already, but... Here's the other thing. Kentucky's not as big and strong on the defensive line as they were a year ago. They've been giving up some rushing yards even without playing teams that run the ball a lot. So I think that Tennessee's going to be able to get the running game going with Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. And then the passing game, if Jarrett Garantano just stays away from mistakes and gets guys like Josh Palmer and Brandon Johnson involved, 
I think that Tennessee can have a pretty successful day offensively. And then you flip it to the other side. I think that Tennessee's offense, uh, sorry, our, Tennessee's defense is built pretty well to slow down the run. That's Kentucky's forte. But you go back to last week, Mississippi State, who I know some people have said some positive things about them, but we don't look at them as a juggernaut defensively. They held Kentucky to less than 200 yards of offense in that loss. Uh, Kentucky won that game 24 to 2, uh, but it was the defense making all the plays for Kentucky. Alan, I think in this one, with Tennessee as a six-point favorite as they are Wednesday night and doing this recording, you would put them at a value of five on your confidence board. I want to slide them up. I'm saying maybe as high as like an eight. I'm not exactly solidified, but I think you can pick up two or three uh, value points with Tennessee in this matchup because, hey, it's kind of what I said about Georgia last week. Even if it's a close game, I think the balance that Tennessee has on offense – offers a lot more variety to what Kentucky's going to have to face defensively than vice versa. Oh, be still my heart. Hey, you're just singing sweet, sweet nothings right into my ear <laughs> right there, man. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think Tennessee's defense is built. I mean, think about Kentucky's best team in God knows how long was two years ago uh, in, in 2018, Yeah, right? And they come into Neyland Stadium and Tennessee – just just really trounces them and terry it was when terry wilson was their quarterback and that this team doesn't have a benny snell this team doesn't have a lynn bowden right like they don't have some of those really next level type of weapons they they do have a couple of really good weapons but i still think that they're really really limited with terry wilson as their quarterback absolutely so as long as he's remains the quarterback and and uh Joey Gatewood is, doesn't come out of nowhere and becomes, you know, the, the next Cam Newton, then I, I agree with you there. I, I think you're pretty safe. And uh, Tennessee's run defense is pretty good. And I think they will be able to, I think they're going to come out and not shrink back from taking it in the, in the face against Georgia. I think they're going to come out and, and decide we're going to run the ball today. And, Cade Mays, Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, those guys will get rolling, create some space, like you said, for Eric Gray and and Ty Chandler. Yeah, and I think the other things that stand out to me, you mentioned Terry Wilson and kind of his limitations. We've even seen him make some kind of bonehead plays going back to that Auburn game, making some really big mistakes. I think part of that is because Kentucky is pretty limited with what they have in their receivers. Josh Ali has been pretty good. He's kind of leading the pack, but it's kind of that same scenario I mentioned with Georgia, that he's way out in front in terms of number of catches and nobody is really supporting anywhere else. So they're limited in the passing game, and I think Tennessee has confidence in their defensive backfield to be able to match up with Ali. I think that really you know, puts an emphasis on the running game. But like you said, I think the Tennessee defense is kind of well-suited to slowing down Kentucky's running attack. And I believe, if I remember this right, I think Terry Wilson's the leading rusher for Kentucky right now. And, you know, that's not a terrible thing because he's pretty good with his legs. Uh, but I don't know that at this point in the season, three games in, that that he, he should be. You know, I think they should have no. a, a leading rusher that should be over top of Terry Wilson. He's going to contribute, and he's probably going to run for a lot of yards, and that's important for him to do. But I don't think he should be Kentucky's leading rusher at this point. Agreed. I, I think Kentucky's probably going to have to score more than 24, 27 points, and I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. I think Tennessee can put up 30 against this Kentucky team which will put them in a, in a comfortable win. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think that 
to win this game, you need high twenties or low thirties. And, and I don't think, uh, that, that Kentucky, you know, you play this game out, I don't know, 10 times, they might do it a few, uh, and they might be able to win a handful of games against Tennessee. But if, if you're going with what we've seen so far out of these two teams, I think you're probably looking at Tennessee winning, I don't know, seven out of 10 or something like that. So I I think to me, it feels like a little bit safer bet than what the six point spread is saying right now. Agreed. I'm, I'm with you there, man. I'm with you there. All right, Alan. Anything else you want to address from this weekend's games? Hey, here's here's my uh, my uh, you you don't want to you don't want to touch this game. You I think you want to move it down. This is kind of a upset, not necessarily upset special, but you want to have your diaper on just in case something happens. I'm I'm moving Miami down my board. I'm moving Miami down their board. We we saw last week what happened when a team played the week after they played Clemson, right? And Virginia got trounced. Pitts lost two games by combined, you know what? Two points. Yep. They lost last week to BC 31 to 30 in overtime. They lost to NC State, who is a, we've now seen is a really good team, 30 to 29 two weeks ago. Um, they're only normally allowing about 52 yards on the ground, and Miami's coming off a really physical game. Does that shake their psyche? We've seen that happen before. I'm I'm moving, I'm sliding that game down if 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 I were you. Miami has been a little bit questionable with its offensive line. Pittsburgh has one of the best defensive lines in the country. Hint hint. Alan, I have very similar things on my board. So Listeners, uh, this is why you tune into the blackout because we are going to find value for you in these games and help you enhance your board and your ultimate scores in this contest. I'm exactly with you, Alan, on the Hurricanes and the Panthers. Should be a fun week, man. It's going to be really fun to find out. And the reason we give you these value picks and give you updates on all the injuries and the responses with COVID-19, cancellations, all that kind of stuff, is because we want you to compete for the grand prize of this contest. If you've been tuning along with us throughout the season, you certainly know where I'm headed, but we have a $50 gift card, a t-shirt from bellyupswords.com, and a $100 gift card to championshipfootballs.com. That's where you can get anything from NFL Super Bowl champions to going to the college game and recent national champions with their championship footballs they've got a ton of stuff there and if you look for it you can get the protective cases any of that stuff there's a bunch of stuff going on there and heck if you're not in contention for the grand prize but you check out championshipfootballs.com and you want to get a piece of that stuff you can go ahead and order it that's great but know this too once you go through the checkout process you can enter the promo code blackout and I want to say you get a discount. I forget exactly what it is. I don't want to say it and get wrong with it. I'll check that back and I'll update that in an episode. Uh, but there is a discount for you if you use the promo code blackout. Hey, I mean, it's worth playing just for that, right? You want to compete, you want to tune in. Um, and the best way that you can help us in, in doing this and, and spreading the love and, and what we're doing here is you can rate and review us, connect with us on social media, share this with your friends. I mean, that's, that's a really big deal. It is a big deal. Alan, I saw it just before uh, I was finishing up taking my notes earlier today. I glanced back at the iTunes charts. We are up to 26 five-star reviews. If you jump on there and give us a five-star review, it helps out a ton. As always, you can find Alan on Twitter at AD on the Blackout. You can find me at TB on the Blackout. And you can follow the show on Facebook 
and on Twitter when you search at the Blackout Pod. Alan, a bunch of stuff going on with this contest. It's been a blast doing the podcast, and we're going to make it bigger and better as we go each and every week of the season. Can't wait for more, sir. I can't either, my man. See you goons next week. Absolutely, everybody. Thank you for listening, and make sure you join us again next week for another Pick'em Rewind and a Pick'em Pod as we head into another week of games. 